0: Right, another episode of in the clinch here, as always, your host John Cox with my co host, the international man of mystery Theo, aka Teddy Bender. Say hi to the people, Theo.
1: What's going on, John? Anything, uh, anything big happened recently? Any big news to share?
0: Yeah, we uh, I, so I did this MMA podcast with my buddy, and uh, we had John Anik. I don't know if you've heard of him he does the no play for the UFC. Yeah, he came on the podcast. The voice of the octagon? <laughs> the voice of the Octagon, John Annick, yeah. So, that was pretty cool. Uh not a big deal. Uh not a big deal.
1: yeah. Not a big deal. Huge <laughs> no, thanks no, to man, John Annick by yeah, the
0: way. Huge thanks to What John an honor.
1: A guy like John who's got such a busy schedule and you know a ton of commitments, uh that's that's really cool from that he took the time out of his day to, so big ups to John Annick for that.
0: Yeah, a lot of people have been asking me too like how did you end up like how did you pull this off like how did you do like i'm i'm not kidding like i literally just tweeted at him and i was like how many retweets for you to come on the podcast and you just dm me like 20 minutes later he was like i'd love to i was like what like i was just staring at my phone i, I was like it's just like the man in practice some shit and then it ended up being real and then he was super transparent and fucking easy to work with and like the chillest dude like he is exactly how he
1: seems like he is so yeah, yeah he he's a super down-to-earth guy um if you haven't listened to the interview yet uh go check that out it's on the same page that you're listening to this now but there's also um a video version john what's the name of the youtube channel um let me see it's, it's on-, on my youtube channel i've never
0: uploaded anything to it before besides this so i think it's like johnny rocket or some stupid shit i don't know we're gonna put it up on the regular <laughs> channel at some point i literally have no idea like why it's called that or i don't know how to change it so uh it is up there i tweeted out the link as well so you can go yes, look as at it uh... my twitter at john cox 50 it is definitely up there i'll probably end up pinning it uh so that it stays up there but yeah fucking insane and he was super chill. And I hope we get to actually take him up on that offer and buy him a beer someday. That'd be fucking great. Yeah,
1: that'd be cool. Hopefully I get to see him in uh, New York. But uh, right. we will see. But huge honor. Shout out, he- John.
0: Yeah, huge honor. Um, so we do have some stuff to get to. We obviously briefly touched with a bunch of things with uh, with John. But we're going to go more in depth, obviously, on each fight um of the main card. And actually, real quick, there are a couple... From the last, from the pay per view from 266, that I, I don't want to maybe go super in depth on them, but um, just just you know highlight a couple guys that did pretty well. Um, and now I'm failing to find. Oh, okay. So we talked briefly about Marab, um, Dewalish Willie. I don't know if you guys saw that. Did you watch that fight? Did you see the whole card? Of course. You saw oh the my whole God, card, yeah. So, dude, unbelievable fight. Um, if you haven't seen that, go back and watch it. That was the featured prelim. Uh, one of the greatest comebacks we've ever seen in Bantamweight history and probably one of the best comebacks I've ever seen in my lifetime that I can remember from watching. Um, massive fight, too. Like, this is a huge fight for Muram. Undeniable, like John said, he's going to be top six now for sure. He's going to be creeping closer and closer to a title shot um, at Bantamweight, and I don't hate his odds against anybody in that top five, if I'm being totally honest. There was someone else who impressed me, too. Uh, Jalen Turner, lightweight. He uh, he fought Euros Medich. Um Euros managed undefeated at the time. He was seven and one, and Jalen Turner put a fucking beating on him right out of the gate. Super tall, uh lanky kind of guy, good build for lightweight. And he just put the pressure on him right away. I don't know if you remember that fight. That was like the featured early prelim. Uh th- that was a fantastic fight, though. I mean, that kid looked really, really good. And I was super impressed with him. So we'll have to keep an eye on him at lightweight. Um, Dan Hooker, too. Sure, it's a Dan Hooker. Everyone loves the hangman. Uh, kind of sticking sticking around, staying in the conversation at lightweight. He had a win
1: over Nazrat hack And uh Shout out to both of them, by the way, because they had to deal yeah. with a crazy yeah. amount of visa issues. They landed on yeah. Thursday, um, cut weight right away that night, waited the next morning, Dan did media, and then they fought the next day. Right. Absolute professionals. They both made 155 despite uh, the travel that they had to go through, and that's not an easy thing to do, especially people who are very particular about their weight cuts. No. and not being able to be in the location of your fight um, right. earlier in the week is a huge, huge disadvantage. So shout out to both of those guys. They, they well earned their paychecks.
0: And shout out to the champion, Alexander Volkanovsky, too. I mean, these, these Australian guys come in a fight. I don't think people understand how strict it is for the uh, COVID protocols over in Australia because now they have, to, they have to quarantine for six weeks before they go back to Australia, show no symptoms, anything like that, test negative a bunch of times. So, I mean, for these guys to be away from their families for six weeks, um, is is a really big deal, and we saw how much yeah. it affected Dan Hooker last time he fought. Especially heartbreaking when you come off a loss like he did on Michael Chandler. You know, you put in all that time um, to get knocked out so quickly and like in such an embarrassing fashion, and then have to just kind of sit there for six weeks and really like go over it and not be able to be with your family and stuff like that. Um, that must suck just so bad. But I, I saw—I don't know if you saw the clip. There was a clip on Twitter of Volkanovski and uh, Hooker at the. The uh, Raiders game, so I don't yeah. know if like that was like I was like I thought they were supposed to quarantine, but all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they. Yeah, it, it. It's it's. I'm not it's bashing them. They, I'm like I
0: would have done the same shit. I don't care. I would like I got well, six fucking weeks. Like I might as well take a night.
1: Yeah, they also might uh, move the whole team, City Kickboxing, to America, but uh, there's still a lot of stuff they got to get through to right. get that done. But yeah, man, can't say enough about these guys from the Oceanic region. They got to yeah. deal with a lot to get over here, and then. On top of that, they got a fight, too, so shout out to them. Yeah,
0: it's absurd. Um, so let's start earlier off in the night here. Um, we'll, we'll get to the bottom stuff here that we have on our, our um, what, what do I want to call this, the show card. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that at the end here. But the first fight that we want to talk about, obviously, is Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Um, my, so my initial knee-jerk, bachelor party, drunk reaction is that that fight sucked. Uh, but going back, um, it was it ended up being a pretty decent back and forth. I think what there was, was there just wasn't a lot of. A, I, I was expecting a little more from Nick Diaz, uh, power wise, because I think the concern going in was that he didn't look. He had a lot of power. It looked like he looked pretty slow in his shadow boxing and stuff. It's kind of his forte. He's always kind of done that. Um, but it just looked like he was touching him up, uh, sort of Colby Covington esque, where it's more pressure than it is um, power. And it just didn't seem to work against Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler's been so active compared to him. And like, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't love his odds from the get-go. I know I predicted that he would uh, win by submission. But, I mean, you know, that was my kind of bold prediction. So, uh,
1: what, what did you think of the fight? Honestly, uh, I didn't have the same knee-jerk reaction that you did. I had the opposite. I loved it as soon as I saw it. Um, but what made me really nervous about it initially was when he was walking out. And it wasn't the same. And even Anik talked about this too. He didn't have that same scowl. He didn't have that same like yeah. mean streak about him. Um, and even like that moment before he got in the cage, where he starts to walk up with a shirt on, they have to take him back, and he just stands there for a second. It it made me feel a little bit. nervous. It didn't feel like he was really in it. Yeah. Um, and then the opening spin kick that he threw, it it, it, it I got really I got really nervous that this fight was not going to end <laughs> up well. But it actually became a really good back and forth. Yeah. Um, you know, Robbie came out the gate right after that kick with a bunch of pressure. Yeah. Uh, you, I wrote down ruthless, didn't even mean for that to be a pun. So there you go. Yeah. But um mm-hmm. he ended up backing up Diaz the entire time. Yeah. Um and, and you mentioned it, Diaz was really slow. Um, it wasn't really like a lot of power popping on his shots, but yeah, you know, it, it was still he was still effective. He was connecting on Robbie a lot. Um, he was comfortable in the pocket, he was slipping and ripping. Um, he yeah. had some good he had some good counters and i like the fact that he um mixed it up with the body because it seemed like his body shots he was really ripping those more than the head shots so maybe the strategy for him was to prioritize damaging the body first and then he's going to use his cardio to outlast robbie in the later rounds so that's kind of what i took from it but <coughs> still uh, it went three rounds um we got it finished by robbie waller good for him i thought it was a good fight yeah I, it, it wasn't as awful as i initially
0: thought it, it was just more of like a um anticlimactic sort of. Uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it was very obvious from the buildup and everything like that that Nick didn't really want anything to do with this fight. He didn't really want to be there. It seemed like uh, he made it pretty clear in the Brett Barak- Akamoto interview that he was doing this mostly just to help out Nate and um, they needed to make some money apparently, or that's what it kind of, they kind of made it seem. Um, I'm sure they got paid or I'm sure he got paid well from it. And we heard from Anik that he thinks that he wants to fight in the next six months I'm not sure we obviously know that Anik has a strong connection with the Diaz brothers. I um, mean, he, he's a huge fan of them. I'm not sure if that was maybe a little bit of bias creeping in because I'm not sure what the next move for Nick Diaz would be after such a, I don't want to call it lackluster, but just an uninspired performance or uninspired buildup and performance really. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what fight makes sense for him next. We also saw them change it from welterweight to middleweight. So that, could have been just a kind of you know a build-up thing um that it was just a last minute like can we do this they both agree to it sure uh if he has more time to prepare for an actual guy i'm sure i mean i think he could have made the wait if he wanted to just a matter of let's just get in there get this done get out um i don't know i, I really don't know what's I, I i don't know what's next for either of these guys it kind of seemed like just like a a show fight you know like a, a prize fight Something to for the fans, something to make some money quick. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like there's a place in the middleweight or welterweight division for either of these guys. I would say more so middleweight that there is a more of a spot for them to compete because uh, welterweight's really good right now. But I, I'm not sure. I really don't know what the future for either of these guys is going to be. I, 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 if Nick Diaz wants to fight in the next six months, maybe we see him come out and. You know, it, it's no secret that they're training for sure. I think he's probably been training his ever since he stopped fighting. I don't think that's a secret. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it just like it was just odd to see how sort of out of it he seemed because we we've seen it in the past with Nick Diaz where he doesn't like the the commentary of it and the, the media stuff, the build up. I don't think he likes that. I think he likes to fight. I don't think he likes all that buildup and everything like that. It's something that he just doesn't seem very inspired by or very um, into. And then once we see him get in the cage, it's all business and he looks totally different. And like, He kind of puts all that stuff aside, but this looks like the same thing all the way through, not inspired, not ready to be there. Didn't want to be there. And then even in the cage, you know, he put on his best performance that he could, but we even saw it with the KO or the TKO where it's like, he went down and just immediately was kind of like, yeah, I'm done. I'm not getting back up. Like this is like, you know, I tried so
1: yeah no definitely it's 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 weird because you know it, there there is always that mystique with the nick diaz fight week of all the antics leading up to it and people are concerned if the fight will even happen and then there's always um you never know how nick's going to be when he gets out there but um yeah definitely there may have been some ulterior motives for getting this fight other than wanting to compete um i.e money uh he yeah. he'd mentioned as such in the brett interview like you mentioned what I, what I thought was super interesting was something that Anik told us about, and he said he couldn't get into the details of it, but he said there was some sort of issue that Diaz had leading up to the fight um, yeah. that Anik wasn't able to disclose. And as soon as yeah. he said that, I was, uh, I was so frustrated because I wanted to fall off on that so right. bad. Yeah, um, I, felt the same thing. I also haven't seen anyone talk about this either. I, I've, been, I've been looking everywhere for it. Um, but what's interesting is that Anik said that he thinks Diaz is going to be ready to fight in six months, and he's going to look in much better shape. So what does that tell us? Does that mean that he had an injury coming in? Like, not Maybe, necessarily, yeah. you know, something could have happened. Like, it could be any number of things. That's why I don't want to assume and be like, oh, Nick was probably injured coming into this. But,
0: right,
1: regardless, whatever John does now, um, he thinks that it's something that won't affect him in six months and he'll be in much better shape and much more powerful, much more quick, um, and probably make 170. Um, I- I'd imagine that's whatever john is hearing may be linked to that as well but uh-huh. again it's, it's all speculation i don't really know but um yeah i, I think this was a, not the best performance for nick diaz definitely but he does have the potential to um come back and have a better performance because we even saw him in better shape a few months ago remember right. when the pictures leaked in, in april of him getting ready to train and come back he was ripped but it, it just wasn't the same for this fight um, right We don't know why, but I guess we'll find out. But you did mention you don't know where they fit in. I think this sets up a perfect opportunity for a winner – or for a loser retires, winner retires fight between him and Cowboy Cerrone.
0: Mm. Yeah, I don't actually – yeah, that'd be a nice matchup. That'd be a very interesting matchup. And um, stylistically, I think that makes sense for both of them. They're both kind of slow starters, you know, unless they're pressured to – to really turn it up. Um, we've seen that, like, the Paul Daly fight way back in the day with Nick Diaz. We've seen that with Alexander um, Hernan Hernandez, Hernandez, correct? Versus uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Cerrone. Um, so it's like they can put the, they can press the gas pedal pretty quick if they have to, but they like to start slow, start technical. Um, yeah, but that'd be an exciting fight. I'm looking at the rankings here, actually, and I kind of want to go back on what I said. I think he had, these guys might have a better shot at welterweight than they do in middleweight because there was a good... Amount of talent in this top 10 at middleweight, um, and b- both welterweight and middleweight. But I, I mean, maybe we could see something like Nick Diaz versus uh Daniel Rodriguez or something, or Neil Magny, um, Bala Muhammad. That's all at welterweight. Uh, these things work out. I mean, these are all very tough fights, but um, I mean, I don't know if I like his odds against Darren Till or Sean Strickland or Marvin Vittori or Uriah Hall, even stuff like that. I mean, these guys. I mean that's that's a very tough way to 185 um, and if you can I don't make think he should 70, be fighting
1: anybody who's ranked either 170 or 185 I, I don't, don't think so think either but he, I, showed, he didn't show us anything in that fight that indicated us that he can take on top 15 talent
0: yeah I I, I, I I mean I totally agree with that I just can't imagine that Nick Diaz would want to start slow again at his age and just trying to work his way up I think it's probably money fights or no fights uh so I don't know I, I really don't know what the plan for nick diaz is going forward i I don't even really have a guess um i guess gun to my head i'd say he probably fights one more time at least i just don't know when that's going to be or if that's going to happen yeah
1: i just hope that everything is all right over there in the diaz camp it seems like there's a lot of um outside problems that are affecting them in the cage so hope it all turns out well for nick he's a good guy
0: yeah um so now we go down to the Second try that we want to talk about the main, or the co-main event, excuse me, Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy, the recap there. Uh, This went pretty much as expected. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to talk about Valentina Shevchenko without saying shit we've already said a thousand times. It's a broken record (laughs) at this point. She's so good and there's no one that can compete. Uh, We also went a little more in depth on this with um, Anneke. Dude, I don't fucking know. I, I really don't have a ton to say about Valentina Shevchenko. Um, yeah, I mean, Lauren Murphy gave it her best shot. It's just – it's Valentina. Like, she's just yeah. – there's nothing you can do, you know?
1: How good is Valentina Shevchenko, right? I mean, she barely got touched in this fight. And she got hey. that big finish in the fourth round. It just seemed like Lauren had finally had enough. You know, we, we talked about on the preview. Lauren Murphy is tough, man. And my bold prediction was that she wasn't going to get finished. I was so close. I was so close to getting it right. But right. Um, regardless, yeah, she, she hangs in, she she hangs in with, with Valentina way longer than many of her opponents have, way longer than a lot of people expected her to. So she's got uh, nothing to be upset about with her performance in this one. Um, in my opinion, man, like Valentina is the most well-rounded technical fighter uh, in women's MMA. I don't, I don't think that there's anyone who's more well-rounded, who's mm-hmm. better technical, like better fundamentals better just precision striking than valentina shevchenko yeah um, in, that includes Mana nunez yeah. no disrespect to her at all but i just think that valentina is just more crisp crisp striker and better well-rounded honestly
0: yeah i, I if i'm a women's fighter in the mma right now or especially in the ufc i, I think i feel it i fear valentina shevchenko more than amanda nunez i think she's just more dangerous um I, I, I agree i think she's more technical i think she's more in tune with her fight style uh i, I obviously what Amanda Nunes has done is absolutely incredible. Uh, she's beaten the uh, Valentina twice, but we know how close it was in that second fight, man. I mean, some people even had Valentina winning it. So I, I yeah, I think I have to agree with you on that. I think that if they fight, run it back a third time, I, I like Valentina's odds in that rather than Amanda Nunes. Plus Amanda Nunes hasn't been as active as Valentina Shevchenko and obviously she's had COVID and stuff like that now. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think she's probably the best women's MMA fighter on the planet right now.
1: I mean, we have this same conversation after every single Valentina Shepchenko right. fight. We, we take a few minutes to say how good she was and how, oh, no shame to her opponent. She was just in there with a the better fighter tonight. And then we talk about how she should fight Nunez and then we move on. It's the same thing with Valentina every single time. My question is, what is it going to take for them to actually book this fight again? Like, what are they waiting for? Yeah. Uh, obviously, Amanda Nunez doesn't want to fight for too much longer. She tried to retire and Dana wouldn't let her. Valentina's cleared out her division more so than she should have had to to get another fight with Amanda, right. and not to mention people thought she won the second fight. What is it taking so long for her to get this uh, trilogy fight with Amanda? She's willing to move to one hundred and thirty-five, and like Anik was talking about yesterday, uh, Amanda Nunez does not have a lot of cuts left in bantamweight. Regardless right. of how long she wants to fight, she's not going to be at bantamweight for much longer. So one hundred and thirty-five Shevchenko Nunez three is the fight to make. No more waiting. No more scheduling other people who they're clearly going to beat because they're just so much better than everyone in their division. Get these two to fight. Let's settle this. Let's, let's find out who the best women's fighter in MMA is.
0: Right. Um, I, I think Amanda News obviously is the. Uh, or I think Valentina is the boogie woman of the um, uh, women's MMA. Uh, Valent- Amanda is at the top as of right now. She's a double champ. There's not much you can say about it. Uh, but like. Think about this. She's the women's bantamweight champion and the women's featherweight champion, but there's no one in women's featherweight besides her. So, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm, listen, I mean, credit to Amanda News, everything she's done and everything like that. How valid is that featherweight belt, though, at this point? I think what's holding her above the edge of Valentina is that she's the double champ and everyone sees that and says, I mean, she's a two division champion, but there's no one to compete against her in one of these divisions. There's literally nobody. It is just her. There isn't a ranking, so there's nothing. It's just Amanda Nunes. That is it. Plus, why would you cut all the way down to featherweight and try to fight Amanda if you can just go and stick around at bantamweight? Like, it doesn't make much
1: sense. Um, to be fair, though, she she did win that featherweight trap against Chris Cyborg. So at yes. the very least, that tells you that she was in recent memory a significant level above chris tyborg who was perceived as the greatest featherweight uh women's fighter of all time and she finished her in seconds so right it was a mean, it was unbelievable yeah and you can say what you want about the division now because obviously it doesn't exist i mean i don't right. think there's anything on the ufc website about it and there anyways, nothing like, it's like right it's just amanda so, so like usually what happens is they just bring someone up from band and or they sign someone for one of these fights um you know they can build that division it's not like there's not talented women at 145 pounds out there in the MMA world. Um, I mean, even if you want to talk about Amanda's uh teammate, um, oh god, why do I forget her name? PFL Kayla Harrison, thank you. So, Kayla Harrison usually fights at 155, but she's cut down to 145 in her past two fights. That's an option for the UFC to sign after she finishes up her PFL contract. You know, there's yeah. plenty of women out there who can fight at featherweight, the UFC just doesn't have them, so it's not really Amanda's fault. That she hasn't fought tough competition at uh, featherweight, right. she just hasn't got right. the opportunity to. But even still, if you go to bantamweight, it's a much—it's actually a division compared to featherweight, and there's a lot of good fighters in there. But Amanda's proven time and time again that she's so much better than all those girls. So why are we waiting to make this Shevchenko fight versus Munoz? like what's going to happen to make it like bigger? What's the point of waiting? I'm not—I'm seeming to not understand this.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh and then I'm looking at the top five or the top three I should say for women's flyer right. right now. You have Jessica Andraz, Caitlin Chikugian, and Lauren Murphy. So Shevchenko has beaten two of the top three already. Um, or maybe even all three of them. I don't know. She's beaten
1: she's beaten four of the top five. The only person she hasn't uh, faced is Cynthia Calbia, who just lost right. to Andras so. so
0: it's like what do we wanna do here? Do we wanna just keep making rematches uh or make the rematch that? actually can sell and makes the most sense you know right right I know. I, I, yeah i mean i'm in the same boat i have no idea what's going on there um moving on now to the main event alexander volkanovsky versus brian ortega uh fantastic fight first off one of the better championship fights we've seen in a long time um definitely one of the better fights of the year there's a lot to unpack here uh we had the obviously, the ultimate fighter. They were matched up as coaches. Uh, some shit talking back and forth. Nothing too crazy. Uh, but I mean, what a fight, man. And how, like, Alexander Volkanovsky, I think, in this fight kind of solidified that he is the true champion. And uh, that he, he. I mean, he's got to be one of the toughest guys that's ever fought in the UFC. Maybe even in May. I mean, this guy, how he got out of one, that guillotine, or two, that triangle choke. I mean, Brian Tortega is literally his nickname is T City, which is because he's so good at triangle chokes. And Volkanovski gets out of one of the tightest triangle chokes I've ever seen. So I don't understand how that happened. I mean, you look, you go back and look at the pictures from the fight. There's a picture of Volk in the triangle, and it's a textbook triangle where it looks like I mean, it looks like somebody fucked up in a jujitsu class and like wasn't paying attention or whatever. Like it is tight, tight as it gets. Uh, and he somehow survives, weather[s] the storm, and then ends up finishing Brian uh, to retain his strap. It, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I mean, put some respect on Alex Volkanovski's name, seriously, right. man. He's he's dealt with a lot of disrespect, basically because of the Max fights. And people love right. Max; they think he's a legitimate champion. But either way, man, you got to you got to put some respect on Volkanovski's name. He had an impressive pace and cardio in this fight. I mean, he was pushing the pace every single round, every single second. Even when he was up heading into the fifth round, he could have just you know, sat back on his bike and not taken a lot of risks because he was clearly up. But no, he still went forward and marched him down. Um, like I mentioned in the, in the preview last week, he interrupts patterns so, so well and slows his opponents down. And that's exactly what he did in this fight. Um, but regardless, man, you got to give credit to Ortega for being so tough. He now holds the record for the first and second amount of strikes absorbed in a UFC fight. Um, that is not good. His no. striking differential has always been poor, even back to like before he fought Frankie Edgar. Like He's yeah. always had poor striking differential statistics. He's got to stop standing right in front of his opponents. He needs to work on that lateral movement and head movement. Um, while he does have the skills to pay the bills, like he's got really good hands. Of course, we saw in this fight, even though it didn't work out for one, incredible jujitsu. This willingness to stand right in front of his opponent and exchange shots does not bode well for him. It's how he's lost. He's only lost two fights in his career, and they've both been by volume, by serious, yeah. serious volume and implementing a lot of damage. And this was a fight that Ortega, if I can be completely honest, shouldn't have been allowed to continue after the third round.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm right on the edge there with you. Um, in his last two title fights, Brian Ortega observed a combined 504 significant strikes, um, significant
1: strikes, not just regular
0: strikes, 504, 504. By comparison, Alexander Volkanovsky has absorbed, a combined 539 significant strikes in his 10 UFC fight
1: career. So, yeah, that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. No, at not. All. You can't, you can't do that. No, but, um, what did you think? I'm curious what you thought about, um, the situation with him after the third round when uh, he was let out after talking to the doctor. It was a really confusing sequence. He had to be lifted off the ground back onto the stool. He wasn't really all there. What did you think about that?
0: So obviously as a fight fan, and especially in a main event title fight, you don't want to see the fight stop. Um, Doctor stoppage. You want to see the guy at least have a shot. If he says he can do it, he can do it. Um, But from what I saw, it didn't even seem like he said he could fight. Like it looked, No. usually what happens is if a guy comes out um, and the eye is swollen shut, they come in and they say, can you see? It's almost immediately. Yep. I can see. I can see. I can see. And I remember you could hear it. Herb Dean asked, can you see? He says, I don't know. So that right there, when he said that, I was like, I, I remember saying it all that I was like, oh, fight's over. And then Herb seemed to be like, can you see? Like asking him again. And then he was like, yeah. And then he was like, how many fingers am I holding up? He said one. He was holding up one. Doctor said he was all right. He's like, all right, we're good to fight. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, my heart says that he probably shouldn't have been able to go out there for that third round. Um, or that was the fourth round. That was the end of the third round. No, I'm getting all confused here.
1: End of the third round. End of yeah. the third round. Or, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it was the end of the third round. Um, yeah, in my heart of hearts, I think that fight more than likely should have been stopped. Uh, but you know, if you want to go out there, let the guy fucking compete for a title. He's earned his spot there. Um, we've seen in the fight before that his striking is there. He can strike well, counter strike. Well, if your eyes are swollen shut, I don't know how well you're going to counter strike, but still we've seen that it's like, he's got a fighter's chance, especially coming out of that insane third round after taking a, um, some damage, then getting close to the, uh, submission victory, taking more damage. You know, it's like, Gotta give the guys fighters chance. I think if you're Herb Dean's obviously a fantastic referee and he could have stopped it at any point in the fourth or fifth round if they if he felt that the the fight needed to be stopped. Um, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Because also, I mean, if you come out and you say, Hey, can you see? And then you hold up a finger and say, How many fingers? He says one, you get it right, then I don't know if you can tell the guy you can't fight, you know. Uh, yeah it was it was it was a very bizarre incident right there with the it's usually pretty quick usually they're like it's like the doctor looks at him right away he's never it's if you gotta sit on the fence for a second and think about your decision i think more than likely your decision is gonna it should be that the fight should be stopped but he said he's good herb said he's good then i don't know i guess we gotta leave it to the professionals for that one that's why we're not mma referees i have no idea but I think in my opinion, yeah. I think that fight should have been
1: stopped after the third round. I mean, yeah. If I had to guess, yeah, it definitely should have. But what I thought was was strange was that, you know, it was clear that he was out of it. You know, he was laying on the ground right, right after the bell. He didn't get up to the stool by himself. He had to be picked up. That's technically against rules. The fight should be stopped right there. Yeah. Um, but sometimes people get away with it. If you remember, uh, Wei Li Jing got away with it when she fought. Joanna Joan Czecik, her yeah. corner, carried her back to the stool. Yeah. Um, so things like that will happen, but that's usually a sign. If you cannot make it to the stool under your own power, uh, you should not be fighting in the cage for the rest of the night. Yeah. Um. But that being said, man, even after that and all the antics with the with Herb and the doctor, and the weird line of questioning that they had, that they missed, they messed up their words a couple of times. It was a little confusing for all the viewers. He still fought pretty well after that. Yeah, I had to he say, like zone. I thought he he kind of cleared the cobwebs a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, does that mean that he would he like should have fought? Like, I don't think necessarily, because like we were talking about now, Brian Ortega's got a record in the UFC for the first and second most amount of strikes taken in a single fight. That's not a good thing. That's not right. It it it, it doesn't change at all what happens. You know, the outcome of a fight. Like we weren't thinking that he was going to come back at all. Well, actually, to be fair, now that I say that, he just moments ago, had him in a triangle choke. Right, so
0: that's, I think he, that's he kind still, of the argument. That, that's yeah. the argument point right there, is that, like, he, he, he's got pretty damn close after being pretty fucked up.
1: But the, the thing is, John, like, you you do not want rules written in MMA where they can be misinterpreted based on, like, the time in the fight or what's happened in the fight already. Um, I, I think about it a lot when I think about the Chris Mutino stoppage against Sean O'Malley at UFC 264. Um, when people said, oh, Chris Moutinho should have been allowed to finish the fight because there's only 30 seconds left. You do not want a rule where the referee is allowed to make a judgment call based on the time because think about what could have happened to Chris Moutinho in that last 30 seconds. I mean, O'Malley was unloading on him the whole fight unnecessary damage is the least you could say about that if you let it continue right so you you don't want rules where people like where herp could say oh i don't think ortega should finish this fight however he did almost get him a triangle choke though so maybe i'll give him a chance to be a warrior that's that's the exact opposite of what you want in a sport like this i think um and especially you know i think boxing too a lot of people will watch boxing and then come to the ufc and they'll see it's a little bit different boxing fans would be horrified if that fight was continued in, in their sport. That's, right. that's a fight where the, the towel gets thrown in much earlier than that. I'd like to see a little bit more than the UFC. I think MMA fans aren't really as sensitive to this kind of topic because there has been as many of these serious, serious injuries, um, based off of strikes of the head that they were in boxing. Like, Great. thank the Lord. We've never, ever had a, a serious like death or anything in the UFC or uh, major MMA promotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, that's more of a reality in boxing. Um, yeah. And perhaps that's why the culture is a little bit different. But, man, I I did not like the fact that he came out for that last uh, two rounds. I, I got to be honest.
0: Yeah, so I think the way you could have looked at it if you're Herb Dean is um, this kid definitely in trouble. Uh, I'm going to give him a shot here. But if I'm Herb Dean, I'm just sitting there very, very closely watching him. Basically, Ortega's on thin ice. So if he looks like he's at all – you know not responding right. well or whatever i mean it doesn't i mean let the fight go for an extra i mean he could stop it at 445 at the fourth round you know what i mean like it's like it doesn't have to be anything crazy you can stop it whenever you want but i think if you do look at the third round and i understand maybe not the timing but you look at it like he's recovered well after being struck um he's in some serious trouble right now if he doesn't improve within the first 25 seconds 20 seconds i'm gonna call the fight Ortega goes in there he holds his own um and i think me and you are probably in the very small minority of people who or maybe not i shouldn't say very small but in definite minority of people who agree on that chris matino stoppage as well where i think it's just like enough is enough man it doesn't matter if it's 459 of the fifth round it's if enough is enough enough is enough like he's seen it it's like it's an unbelievable gutsy performance from chris matino but like Dude, you're just you're a punching bag. You're getting fucking yeah, up. Like it's it's <laughs> like I understand it. It doesn't matter how good your chin is, dude. You got to save the fighter from the fighter sometimes, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it is what it is. So I, it's 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 just tough. It's tough with the whole the ramifications. I don't think Herb Dean's one of these referees that's going to let the moment get to his head. I think he's calling a fight, like he's calling a fight, no matter what the ramifications are. If he stops it, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I at least like I, I like them giving him a shot. Uh but part of me is also like, I think that should have been stopped.
1: Yeah. That whenever someone asks you if you can see and you answer, I don't know. Right. Um, that's a pretty tough one. Also, that uh going back to that mutino stoppage. If you have a problem with that, that mutino stoppage is the definition. Of a fighter not intelligently defending himself, that's right. when you call it bottom right. line. So, um, and they could have even called it, like you said, at the end of this round uh, when Ortega was getting mauled by Molchanovski on the bottom. Um, yeah. You know, it's just it's just one of those things. Thankfully, it didn't seem like anyone seriously got hurt. Obviously, Ortega's got a bunch of damage he's got to deal with, but yep. you know, all all things considered, um, it, it turned out all right.
0: Yeah, plus I think Ortega's got one of the – he's got some sort of Wolverine gene in him because, I mean, I don't know if you saw last time when he fought Holloway, he was like back to normal a week later, his entire face. He looked like he never was even in a fight. So I don't know how <laughs> that guy heals so fucking quick, but he does. Um, so we got some other stuff we want to talk about here. It's kind of a short episode since we had the bonus one yesterday with John. Um, we got Corey Sandhagen versus Piotr Jan for the interim title belt at Bantamweight. That is official for UFC 267. That is in, what, three weeks? Somewhere along the lines of that. Yep. Um, That's an exciting fight, man. And it's because Alderman Sterling is out with an injury. The early reports, um, I'm not sure if they're confirmed or not yet. I think they are confirmed that the doctors are not letting him fight. It's not a matter of um, him pulling out. I think his coaches reported that. I, I forget where I saw it. But let's go back and fact check. It. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, that's a tough blow for Aljamain Sterling. I mean, from what it sounds like he wanted to fight; they're not letting him fight. Um, but now we get a very—I mean, we had an excellent fight between Corey Sanhagen and Piotr Young. That's extremely exciting.
1: Yeah, just to reiterate, uh, Aljamain Sterling was not medically cleared to fight by a UFC doctor, meaning right. the promotion would not let him go forward due to his right. uh, his um, lingering neck problems. He had that big surgery earlier in the year. Yeah. Um. And I saw a lot of people like giving him giving crap for this online. I understand yeah. that Aljamain's not the fans' the number one guy that they want to root for because they see him as an illegitimate champion and all that. But you do not want to mess around with a with a neck injury like that. I'm telling you, man, you do not want to right. do something like getting doing mixed martial arts championship fight right. with a with a neck like that. It's just not a good idea. So I've got no problem with him uh, taking a time off. Take as much time as you need. Uh, necks can be very very tricky and take a while to heal up. So, um. I thought it was super cool that Piotr Jan wanted to remain on the card. He wanted to keep the show going. Yep. Um, and now with this booking of Jan versus Sanhagen, I feel like it's a no-lose situation for the UFC either way. Because if Jan wins, then he's just going to fight Aljo like we were supposed to get already, but he'll be the interim bantamweight champion. That fight's going to be way better. Plus, Piotr Jan's going to get pay-per-view points because he'll be a champion. Right. Um, if Corey Sanhagen wins... He's already fought Al before. Al wrapped him up, submitted him in under a minute. Man, that would still be a fun matchup because I feel like that wasn't really a great representation of what that fight could have been. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Sanhagen's taken a lot of big steps since then to improve and address the holes in his game. I think that that fight's much more interesting the second time around. So I I won't be upset either way.
0: Yeah, it kind of seems like Corey Sanhagen's locking out here too because you saw the loss to TJ that looked like it was going to set him back and maybe he wasn't going to get a title shot for a little bit here. But now he's getting that interim title shot you're right back in the mix and if you can pull it off then holy shit now you get your own title shot i don't think a lot of people expected that to happen so uh so quickly after especially after a loss you know
1: right but it's also like it's it's a weird spot to be in right because um if you think about it aldo and rob font just got announced yesterday that they're going to fight so they yep. were out of this already so it really comes down to san hagen and tj and they just fought tj beat him Every single member of the media scored it against TJ, uh, by the way. So it's worth knowing that it's a very, very close fight, but a lot of people thought Sanhagen won. So it's really not the worst thing in the world that he gets this interim title shot off the loss. Uh, The only reason that TJ wasn't able to take this is because he still has a lot of damage from that fight, so he's going to be out for a little bit longer. So, yeah, a a victim of circumstance, uh, Corey Sanhagen is going to be able to get an interim title shot uh, and maybe get back to the undisputed title.
0: Yep. All right, we're going to wrap it up the episode here. shorter one, like we said, with kind of a shitty topic, but something I think that we had to talk about. um, We talked about maybe not even talking about this, but I think it's sort of the responsible thing to do is to give you guys the info that you're looking for. Uh, John Jones was arrested yesterday on misdemeanor, um, misdemeanor, domestic violence charges, and uh, damaging a vehicle uh this was his fiance apparently that he was in an altercation with uh, i'm looking at an article right now just in three hours ago on mayfighting.com according to the report officers responded to a domestic disturbance at caesar's palace after a call stating that a white female adult later identified as jones fiance fiance jesse moses was bleeding from her nose and her mouth Police arrived. They were informed the suspect had just left the property and was picked up by another unit outside the hotel who identified himself as John Jones. Police then stated that the former USC champion resisted arrest as he was being taken into custody. Uh, there's some reports coming out that John Jones was kind of just belligerent, going crazy, uh, pulling his wife's hair or his fiance's hair. Uh, I guess he headbutted, I believe, what I assume must have been the police car on the way into the police car or something. There was some damage to it, uh, damage to himself. So uh let's see as Jones was being detained, he became irate, he smashed his head into the front hood of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Patrol vehicle, leaving a medium-sized dent as well as chipping some of the paint on the front of the vehicle. So yeah, this is uh this is shitty. This is a shitty, shitty situation. It's a giant step back for the heavyweight division, it's a giant step back for John Jones. Um, I think. We're sitting on possibly the most um, anticipated matchup maybe in UFC history between John Jones and Francis Ngannou at some point, whether or not Ngannou's champion or not, or John Jones is still a huge fight everyone's waiting for. Now I'm not sure if it's ever going to happen. If it does, when is it going to happen? Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. Now it's just come down to how many chances is John Jones going to get? Cause I mean, he's on like four or five at this point, maybe even
1: more. Yeah, man. It's to put it in one word. It's sad. It's incredibly, incredibly sad to hear that. and go into the details of the article. It's super, super unfortunate. And, you know, even after hearing what Anik had to say yesterday, he, he spoke very, very well about this. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, he, he mentioned a lot about how he was thinking about the family and, you know, he knows that John's got some daughters and, you know, it's it's super, super unfortunate that there's a, a domestic abuse case involving John Jones. Um, or I think it's actually classified as assault. I don't want to misspeak here. Yeah. Uh, but, ah, uh, man, I'm not even thinking about John Jones coming back to the UFC at this point. I'm not even thinking. I just want this guy to get help. I want this guy to either help himself, you know, some of these people around him who You know, you could call them enablers if you want. I'm not really an expert on his personal life, so I won't go that far. But it, it, John Jones needs to do something that is not going to rehab for less than 24 hours like he did previously. He needs to make a serious change in his life. Um, I've never met the man, so I don't want to speak on him personally, but it seems like he is a very, very troubled individual. And, you know, I I just hope the best for his family and everyone around him, because I know this has got to be a very tough time.
0: Yeah, so some more bad details. Uh, this is what the statement that came out from his fiance. She stated that she was sleeping when Jones came back. He was earlier out. I don't think
1: that she wants. She said she didn't want any of the stuff to come out. So I know that a lot of people posted it, but um, she. I just think that it'd be best to leave it out, honestly, in my opinion. But you, you can do as you want.
0: Fair enough. Uh, this article is on MMAfighting.com. If you guys right, want and to you can also
1: it. find the full story on TMZ because of course they, uh, of course they right up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. um Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. I don't know what the future for John Jones is going to be. I mean, at this point, I honestly, I kind of hope he doesn't fight again. I, I think it's like, I don't how many chances does the guy get? I think it's going to be a fucking terrible look for the UFC. If they let this guy just come right back without, at least some sort of mandatory counseling or some sort of uh, something, something. I don't know. I think it, the UFC needs to be very transparent and public about what how they're dealing with this because it's a really bad look if you're just, if this happens and then you just let him come right back and sort of the top of the world and pay him millions of dollars and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think Dana White, said something like along the lines of like i'm not even paying attention to it anymore or I, I he was quoted something along the lines of that of like i not that he didn't care but he's just like i can't deal with john Jones anymore i don't know I, i'm not i think he said something like, i'm not even surprised at this point or yeah whatever. that's what i he don't want to miss surprise but yeah uh so yeah it is what it is we'll have to wait this obviously happened yesterday or a few days ago
1: so we'll have to wait for some more details to come out yeah but also So, uh, Also worth noting, he's due in court on October 26th. He was supposed to be available in court on Saturday during the day. However, for some reason, that fell through. I'm not sure. Um, He must have not been required to go or something, but regardless, he's due in court on the 26th. Uh, Dana White and the UFC have said that they're not going to discipline Jones um, until they see how the criminal case plays out, because obviously everything's alleged. Um, That's usually how they'll operate things, but that being said, I'm, I'm not sure what, what they will do, um, assuming that he is convicted. But, man, it, it's, just, it's just unfortunate.
0: Yeah, it sucks. But, you know, this is unfortunately the way John Jones is. He just seems like he's wild off the cuff. And, uh, I don't know, just careless. I think careless is the right word. But we'll um, try to wrap up on a lighter note, I suppose. Um, we'll start to talk about maybe just yeah we'll just do what we do every week i'll read off the uh, fight card for this upcoming fight this weekend so we have a ufc light heavyweight matchup here between tiago santos and johnny walker that is going to be at starting main card starts at 7 p.m from the ufc apex center at uh on espn plus and the prelims will start at 4 p.m um so a little bit of an early start time i kind of like that myself first on the prelims we have a bantamweight matchup alejandro perez versus johnny eduardo then women's bantamweight matchup stephanie egger versus shannie young um men's bantamweight douglas silva deandre versus gatino Parella. lightweight Devonte smith is going to face off against jamie malarkey women's bantamweight beth correa versus carl carol rosa Women's flyweight, we have the champion sister Antonia Shipschenko versus Casey O'Neill. Lightweight, featured lightweight prelim is Joe Selecki versus Jared Gordon. Onto the main card now. Alexander Hernandez versus Mike Breeden at lightweight. Women's bantamweight, Aspen Laden versus Macy Chiasen. Middleweight, we have Misha Surikanov versus Christoph Jocko. Welterweight, Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Nico Price. That should be an exciting one. Middleweight, we have the return of Kevin Holland versus Kyle Dawkins. and, of course, your main event at light heavyweight, Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker. So, an important fight for the uh, light heavyweight division there. And uh, we'll see how those guys end up doing. Um, again, that is going to be October 2nd, this Saturday at 7 p.m. UFC Apex Center, both preliminary card and main card, are exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. So, if you don't have anything left, um, I think that's it for me.
1: Yeah, just a quick shout to SevereMMA.com to get up-to-date news on everything MMA. You can check out the Severe MMA podcast if you enjoy it in the clinch. Uh, That podcast is available on every single platform that podcasts are available. You can check us out on all social medias. And, of course, our YouTube will have uploads of individual podcasts as well.
0: Sweet. And um, I will be pinning the full YouTube interview that we had with John Annick yesterday at on my Twitter page, that's at John Cox50JOHNCOX50. And one more thing I want to add Kamara Usman has been upgraded to the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. So that'll do it for us. And we will talk to you next week to recap Johnny Walker
1: versus Tiago Santos. Peace.